If you have your Bibles, turn back to Mark chapter 10 as we continue what we started this morning, but it's a new message, so don't feel like you missed anything. But I really enjoyed preaching on the young rich ruler, or the man that uh, had heaven on his mind and went to hell. And uh, thank God five young men got saved this morning in the junior church ministry, amen? Five, that's a blessing. One getting saved is a miracle, but five, that's a five-fold miracle, and I thank God for that. And I want to tell you something, 19 out of 20 people get saved before the age of 20. And it's one out of uh, 200,000 get saved between 20 and 30, I think it was. I got statistics last week I gave you, and it shocked me that that many people got saved before the age of 20. I guess because we get sought in our ways, as the old mountaineer said. And so the children's ministry and the bus ministry and van ministry is essential. We need to, we need to go after them. And we need to get them here. And I believe if we get them here, then they can hear the gospel and get saved like they did this morning. I rejoice in that. And I know all the workers are so excited about uh, these five young men getting saved. You say, how many of you think minute? That's not my business. Our business is plant the seed. And I want to tell you something. If they came with faith, believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're just as saved as the oldest person in here. Amen. And I thank God for that. This morning we preached on the young rich ruler. And uh, I thank God that uh, we saw his status was privileged, positioned, and he had a lot of prestige. He had a concern, but he came to Jesus on his terms and not on God's terms. And he came uh, wanting Jesus to be his good master and good teacher, but not his good Lord. And uh, the Lord challenged him. Because he loved him, I, I noticed in verse 21 it says, Then Jesus beholding him, Matthew, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said to him, One thing thou lackest. Uh, folks, conviction is a love act from God. Uh, when the Holy Ghost convicts you, you ought to thank God the Lord loved you enough to get you uh, where you could listen to the uh, Holy Ghost that convicts you. Without conviction, there is no conversion. And a person needs to realize they're lost, but they also need to realize that he's the only way to be saved. And I want to summarize this morning's message in two sentences. Number one, sin is a rebellion against the holy God, and it's not simply an action. Sin is a rebellion against the most holy God. And by the way, the only sin that will send you to hell is unbelief. Amen? For the wage of sin, not sins, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's singular sin. That's the only sin that will send you to hell is unbelief. But um, sin is a rebellion against the holy God. It is not simply an action. It is an inward attitude that exalts man and uh, defies God. And this is, the, this is the thought. How in the world does the religious people like this young man actually think that he could do a few religious works and settle his account, and settle his account with the Holy God. See, folks, there's much more than that. Matter of fact, it's impossible to be saved unless you accept that he was sufficient. And then he lists all the law that he kept, and didn't go to thou shalt not covet, and thou shalt not have no other gods before him. He just lists the ones he probably thought he kept. But he didn't keep them all, because nobody keeps all the Ten Commandments. But the law is a mirror. The law is a mirror, Galatians 3.24. And law is a mirror, and it shows how dirty we are, how sinful we are, but a mirror can never wash us. 
The law can never wash you. And one purpose of the law is to bring a sinner to Christ, Galatians 3.24, which he did with this young rich ruler. But the law can bring sinners to Christ, but the law cannot make sinners like Christ. That's the grace of God. So that's summarized this morning. You, uh, get the tape. Oh, you don't need to get the tape. Listen to it on WhitfieldBaptist.com. Uh, amen. And uh, I think we also have an audio link for those over in South Africa because they don't have video. And I uh, appreciate uh, Brother Blaine Brother Cody setting all that up. But tonight we're going to go with verse 23 through 31. I'd like to entitle the message, um, God's Evaluation of Riches. God's Evaluation of Riches. I want you to know that Peter wasn't so sanctified because after he sent this young man away grieving, he had a question. He had a very good question. He wanted to know how in the world could anybody be saved if you couldn't get saved if you had riches. So he didn't understand the whole thing, as often we don't. And I want you to stand on the Word of God. We're going to read verse 23 through 31 and talk about God's evaluation of riches. Or God's evaluation of redemption. Or maybe God's evaluation of uh, rewards. That's my uh, outline. You got it now? You can go eat chili. No, not really. But look at verse 23. And Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. I'll tell you why they were astonished at his words this minute. But Jesus answered again, and he said to them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. For they were astonished out of measure. That means it blew their mind. Saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible, listen to this now, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Amen. Can somebody say amen right there? Amen. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that has left house, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, get the motive, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and, and brethren and sistern uh, and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. Could I repeat that last verse? as emphasis on God's evaluation. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good day we had this morning, especially the five young gentlemen that got saved. Pray, God, they'd grow. I pray they'd be missionaries to the parents. I pray, dear God, that you'd use them for your glory is, is what we ask for. God, they'd just grow up and be great men of God. Maybe some preachers, some missionaries, but God, just good Christians. To glorify your precious name. Lord, we, we're excited and thrilled uh, at the prospect of one convert. 
And Lord, thank you for those that got saved. Lord, I pray that you'd bless now uh, this message. And thank you, dear God, for your truth. And Lord, may we see things from your viewpoint and not our own. And we're going to praise you and thank you for a new perspective on riches, on redemption, and on rewards. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I see an announcement here. As a young, the young ruler, probably a synagogue leader, I mean just as religious but lost as can be. And I thank God for the burden at the altar this morning for some religious but lost people. Folks, religion will make you miserable, but a relationship will make you glad. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Religion is man trying to climb his way up to heaven, but a relationship is, and redemption is Jesus came from heaven and went to the cross, so he took your place, and praise God, you can be saved through his finished work, not our works. But he said, uh, he said a, a person who possesses riches will have a very, very hard time entering into the God's kingdom. And the problem is not with the person having money, but the problem was that money had the person. It's all right to own things as long as things don't own you. I'll tell you another thing it is. Uh, good to see you, Miss Hazel. Just notice you back there. Another thing is this. It's all right to uh, possess things as long as things don't possess you. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. It is so sad when money comes before somebody getting saved. Amen. See, a lot of times people have to become <clears throat> poor in spirit to inherit the kingdom of God. That don't mean poor mouthing, but this means, hey, you ain't got it together. And I'll tell you something, it is harder to reach a rich person because they don't need God. They don't think they need God. They have heaven on this earth because of their good works, all they've accomplished. But I'll tell you something, friend. I've never seen a U-Haul it behind a hearse yet. You can't take it with you. Say amen right there. And I'll tell you something, friend, this announcement <clears throat> astonished them. Look at verse 24. Uh, Jesus looked around verse 23 and said to the disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And then verse 24, it says this, And the disciples were astonished at His words. That means they were amazed. They could not believe <clears throat> that Jesus was saying that they couldn't be rich because some of their heroes were rich. King David. Job, before he lost everything, but he got twice as much back, so he's double rich, amen? Solomon, <clears throat> hey, get, get this, Abraham was rich, amen? So I'm not preaching against all you rich people out there. I'm trying to find one, amen, praise God. But if we're all rich, say amen, I'll prove it in just a minute. But folks, I want you to know that Deuteronomy 28, 11 through 14 uh, talks about riches being equated to God's blessings in the Old Testament days. So the, this, this statement, this thought, just blew the disciples' mind. What is he talking about? And folks, I want you to see the analogy in verse 24. This is even more amazing. The disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Now this man just walked out lost. He just almost hugged uh, the door of heaven and went to hell. He had heaven on his mind, and he probably went to hell forever. <clears throat> and so they were perplexed. Why didn't he get saved? Why didn't you save him? The disciples weren't all together yet. 
But folks, verse 25, he, uh, uh, he gives us an analogy. And he said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now a lot of people have tried to take this hyperbole and they're trying to uh, rationalize it and make it easier than what Jesus said. They said the eye of a, a camel was, uh, 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 the eye of a needle <clears throat> was uh, the little hole outside the <clears throat> forward or the, uh, the, um, the uh, brother, I think I got sinus problems too, uh, the, uh, the walls and they'd have to take everything off the camel and uh, slide through there and it was very hard, but it's possible. Now I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. I can't find that anywhere in history. I can't find that anywhere in geography. I believe he meant what he said and said what he meant. Amen. Brother Jack already had me another glass of water. Amen. Praise God. Next year we're going to have a chili cook-off, not put it all on Vinny and Miss Tria. I'm going to, get, I'm going to have a chili, we're going to have a chili contest, and we're going to make it so hot that uh, Tommy Grigsby can't eat it. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, but we're going to do, we'll, we'll take the load off them next year. But anyway, they wanted to do it. But listen. Listen to me. I'm telling you, I don't see anything but what God said. It's impossible, the next verse, to, put a, to have a camel go through the eye of a needle. I believe there was an actual needle. I believe there was an actual camel. I really believe that. Uh, you, you can disagree with me, but don't disagree with the thought that, folks, the world's philosophy is that money can buy you anything. I want to tell you something, friend. Money can't buy you anything spiritually if you put it before God. Say amen. No one who trusts in money, fame, position, and power, uh, and, and I mean they trust in that for their salvation, will be saved. This man was trusting in his works and what he had accomplished and his money and his prestige and his power. God knew his heart. He said he in no wise cast out anyone, John 6, 37. So I know the man's heart was preoccupied and possessed with himself. You've got to come to the end of yourself to be saved. I'm not talking about lordship salvation, MacArthur. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about, folks, that you need to have a humble heart when you come before God. You can't come down this aisle uh, blowing uh, bazooka bubble gum and, and looking at your friends and cutting up and smiling and thinking you're going to get saved. You can do that after you get saved, amen. Praise God, put all the bazooka you want to and blow the biggest bubble you've ever seen and smile all you want. But there ought to be some brokenness. Say amen. There ought to be some contriteness. There ought to be some seriousness when somebody gets saved, amen? And I want to tell you something. Verse 25, he says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Folks, I want to tell you why. Because only people who will ever leave this world saved and ready for heaven is those who place their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. As I said this morning, there's no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. Acts 16, 31, uh, the jailer that uh, was going to commit suicide because he let Paul and Silas out of jail said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Folks, he didn't say believe on him and work for it. 1 Timothy 2, 5, Catholic friend, says that there is no other mediator between us and God than, than Christ Jesus. Amen. We can't get to heaven by Mary. We can't get to heaven by being Mary. We can't get to heaven by feelings. We can't get to heaven by finagling. We can't get to heaven by figuring. We got to get to heaven by faith. Amen. You might say, well, preacher, this really doesn't apply to me because I'm not rich. Well, thank you for your confession. But you are rich. 
I'm going to prove it. Now, I know you're rich spiritually. I'm not, to, I'm not getting that spiritual yet. But you're rich spiritually. You've got things money can't never buy. I have never seen anybody buy peace and joy. You can't buy a happy home. You try to uh, bribe your children into submission, uh, you'll lose them. Amen. You must uh, have Jesus. But you're rich. I'm going to tell you why. 56% of the world's population, or 3.4 billion, and it's growing every day, so it's probably about 3.8 billion people, live in extreme poverty. 56%. They survive on an income less than $730 per year. $730 per year. Most of y'all make that a week. I hope you do. Maybe after taxes, you still have that much. I hope you do. I'm not checking your tithing envelopes. I don't do that. But listen, um, that's $2 a day, a year, uh, per year, uh, excuse me, per day that they make. Worldwide, 56% of people. Half of that number lives, or 1.7 billion people live on less than a dollar per day. At a minimum wage, the average American worker earns about 50 times more than anybody in the world, or half of the world. You're rich. You're rich. The average American spends 20 cents per day on cosmetics. My wife dropped by the new Ulta today. She said, you ain't going to believe this, I saved $12. I said, saved $12 on what? There's a little round jar. In a, in a round jar in a bag. I felt it. I didn't open up. I was afraid to. I just felt it. Yeah, yeah. I said, was that more than $12? She just smiled and went. <laughs> I said, how much? She didn't answer. <laughs> but you know something? She's pretty without makeup. I don't know why she's wasting her time with makeup. Amen. Where's she at? I, she's cooking. Praise God. I got points and she wasn't even in here. Amen. Tell her to get back in here. Amen. Um, we spend, um, uh, that's 20 cents per day on cosmetics, perfumes, skin and hair products, over 50 cents per day on jewelry, nearly $3 on furniture per day, nobody sits on the floor, and household goods, over $3 per day on clothing. I, if you have a teenager, up that about 10%, 15%, 50%, amen? Their tennis shoes will bankrupt you if you're not careful, Amen? I would, I would have to have power brakes and lights on my tennis shoes if I paid as much as teenagers paid for tennis shoes. Say amen. When I was a kid, we wore U.S. kids, and they were $9.95, and we was proud of them. Amen. Yes, preacher, that's why you're so old. But anyway, uh, $6 per day uh, gambling, $7 per day on automobiles, and here's the top of the list. Guess what it is? $9 a day on food. Amen, you got it, food. So we're rich. Over three billion people got up this morning not knowing where the next meal was coming from. Think about it. All you that's been griping over your little uh, situation, you ain't got two cars, you only got one. Or you got two cars or three cars, you ain't got five. That's why we have to have such a big parking lot. The average family has three cars. And they all, they all come separately. <laughs> Amen. Come together, please. Amen. But anyway. Many do not have adequate clothing and shelter, yet most of us got up today with a good home, plenty of clothing, some money, enough food to keep us alive for many days. You're rich. You're rich. But I'll tell you this, if you're saved, you're really rich. 
You're spiritually rich. Folks, the whole book of Ephesians talks about how unsearchable the riches are of God. Folks, riches can become an idol in your life. That's what this is talking about. Anything you ascribe worthship to, which is meaning the word worship, where we get the word worship, is your God. And your God is anything besides the Lord Jesus Christ. You're in big trouble. Let me give you a few, few things about riches. Riches can tempt people to hoard up what they don't what they have. There can be a strong temptation to think what you have been given is to be used to gain even more. You know, a lot of people are never satisfied. The more they get, the more they want. Have you ever met rich people like that? I mean, they're just going to keep it, keep it, keep it. Uh, and folks, I want to tell you something, they're going to cling on to it. There's a monkey, pardon the expression or comparison, there's a monkey in Africa that they catch in an unusual way. They have gourds and they have nuts in those gourds, and what they do is they let that monkey uh, reach in that gourd just enough to get his hand in there and grab those peanuts. And he will never let go of them. He will cling to those, and, he, and they're, they're attached to a board or to a tree, and they, he is stuck. All he has to do is let the peanuts go and slip his hand out the gourd. But folks, he is so greedy, he's going to hang on to that thing he can't get his hand back out, but he is not going to let go of those peanuts. And I want to tell you something, the reason he can't because he's got a clenched fist. And there's a lot of people like that in America. They've got a clenched fist on what they got. God gave it to them. They ought to be good stewards of it. But they let that send them to a, to a devil's hell because of greed, covetousness. Riches can bring false trust. You might think your money can buy you everything or anything, but it cannot buy you salvation. And it cannot buy you the fruits of salvation. Riches can bind us too tightly to this earth. Having too much of this world's wealth can cause all the attention and affection to go to that and that alone. The Bible calls it in Matthew 6, verse 19, unsearchable riches. And folks, we become lustful. And life does not consist of things. Life consists of the things God blesses us with to be a blessing. Riches often lead to other sins. There's no boundaries to those that live in the rich and famous life. They think they can do anything. You know, it's amazing to me, and I, I've read something on it, but not much, that lottery win, winners are miserable. They actually ruin their life. Many of them said, I wish I'd have never won the lottery. Amen? And I, th I don't think you ought to ever stand in line up there when I'm trying to buy milk for those stinking lottery tickets. Amen? I don't think you ought to play the lottery. I really don't I think it's gambling. I think another man's loss is your gain if you win it. Say amen. I believe the way you ought to get money is work. Amen. Work. It's a four-letter dirty word to some people, but work. Amen. It's good for you. It'll help you. Uh, sin leads to pride. Riches lead to pride. Arrogance, insensitivity, indifference, self-satisfaction, worldliness feeds on that affluence. Riches are to destroy the qual qualities that are necessary for a person to enter heaven what is that? Childlikeness. Teachability. Humility. See, in order to be saved, you must realize you are a sinner. And you need to realize that you cannot save yourself. And folks, that's why riches are so harmful to people sometimes. is because they let it go to their head instead of their heart. Folks, the goodness of God ought to draw man to repentance. Amen. amen. I mean, God's blessed you. Aren't you glad you're not waking up in a third world country 
this tomorrow morning saying, where am I going to get the next meal? Folks, we can go down to Hardee's and flash a card at them if we want to, say amen. And they will take that card whether you've got anything in the bank or not until they catch you, amen. But you eat that steak and egg biscuit with a smile upon your face with sweet tea and you take it for granted when the half of the world, 56% of the world is starving, starving. Let me just say that's the truth about riches, but I want to give you the truth about redemption because the Lord brings it back to the very point. Amen. Amen. Ms. Connie, you didn't hear that comment about ultra, I hope. Amen. Anyway, but let's go on. Now look at verse 26. Verse 26. The Bible says this. <clears throat> and they were astonished out of measure. You know what that meant? It just blew their mind. And I hate to use colloquial terms because you think I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? If all these rich guys and all of us rich... Uh, uh, patriarchs that we love who can be saved well he, good question and Jesus looking upon them said with men hey I like this with men it is impossible but not with God for with God all things are possible Amen. folks men and their anxiety it, it blew their mind their response was well, who can be saved they presupposed that Jesus had slammed the door of salvation Everyone that possessed something. <coughs> That's not the point. The point is, if your heart's so full of self and sin and, and um, riches, you don't have room for Jesus. You don't have room for Jesus. We need to make room for Jesus with broken and contrite heart. It's called repentance. I believe salvation involves repentance. I believe it also involves, before repentance, conviction. Amen? And that's why we're careful with children. Make sure they realize they're giving their life to Jesus. They're just not asking Jesus to come into this pump, this heart, this, this organ. It's not just let Jesus come into your pump, your organ. It comes into your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's not just his pump. And folks, listen, I want to tell you something. What I see here in one statement by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is that salvation is a miracle. Can you, can you say amen there? It's the greatest miracle of all. What does it profit man if he gets healed of cancer and goes to hell? He's only temporarily healed. But folks, he might not get healed of cancer, but if he goes to heaven, he'll be eternally healed. Say amen. So folks, listen, I, I want you to see the Master's answer. That's what counts. Look at verse 27. He says, and Jesus looked upon them saying, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. What he's saying is that man that just walked away, he could have been saved. It is not my fault, and it's never God's fault when somebody doesn't get saved. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter chapter 3, 9. So I see the truth about redemption in verse 26 through 27, but I see... The truth is, the young rich ruler walked away from grace because he would not relinquish the hold of his life on wealth and self and most dam damning of all, his works. He just thought he was good enough. No one's good enough. There's not a ladder to heaven. There is a cross. 
Thank God. Amen. If there was a ladder, we could unclimb ourselves out of salvation and lose it. But there's a cross. Amen. And there's a lamb. And there is blood that was shed for your sin. The death, burial, and resurrection is a miracle. And you can receive that miracle. God in His power is well able to set men free from covetousness. Free from selfishness. Free from sin. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's how we got to come. The Lord would have given the young rich ruler grace to relinquish the hold that he had on this earth. Folks, I thank God. I thank God we have the same promise. When Jesus reaches out to a lost sinner, the Lord calls this person to come to him. John 6, 44. He says, come unto me. And folks, the Lord calls a person, and that person responds by childlike faith. God gives them that faith as a gift, and he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ for his eternal salvation. It's that simple. But it's so spiritual that it blows our mind to think about how Jesus could die for us. And so don't ever think that any work any work of man, any religious work, could ever, ever pay for your sin debt. That's why it's so ashamed that the JWs and the Mormons and probably some Baptists and Methodists and Episcopalians are trusting in works seven-day Adventists up the road. Folks, listen, it's all works. And folks, the work has been finished. And Jesus Christ said to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He was talking about Himself, not some head knowledge. God can save anyone regardless of who they are, how rich they are, how poor they are. Because the Bible says, all have come short of the glory of God. No, not one. Folks, listen, Jesus can save you. The Lord comes to the lost person and shows him his condition. That's conviction. Points him to Jesus and that's the sole solution for sin. That's the, sole, that's the only way for salvation. Look at John 6, 44. I, 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 I wanted to read that a while ago, and I didn't, so I'm going to read it now. John 6, 44, please. If you take notes, write that down. John 6, 44. The Bible says this. It says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. Folks, when Jesus, he said, if I'll be lifted up, I'll draw all men to him. That's talking about not just lifting him up in song or sermon. He was lifted up at Calvary. Amen. And thank God the drawing power came from the resurrection. And we're saved by grace, plus nothing, minus nothing. And folks, the truth of riches is it can't save you. But the truth of redemption, he'll save anyone that'll come to him with a broken and contrite spirit a seriousness of belief in the death, burial, and resurrection. Saul of Tarsus, he was a rich guy. He was famous, he was powerful, and he was religious. Very religious. He was so religious, he killed people in the name of his religion. But I want to tell you something, he didn't get saved until he came to the light. And the light spoke to him and said, hey, you're kicking against the pricks. You're going against me. Your whole life's going against you, against God, and, and you need to be saved. And he, got, he humbled himself on the road to Damascus, 
and he didn't go back to his old life. He got on a new road and he repented and he got saved by grace through faith. Plus nothing, minus nothing. The Bible says in John 6, 37, he will no wise cast you out. Amen. Thank God. Now let me just close with saying there's a truth about rewards in this. In verse 28, in verse 28, Peter opened his mouth again. Folks, I identify with Peter a lot. Sometimes I put my foot in my mouth, and uh, I don't mean to. And I've learned lately in the last 40 years of ministry that sometimes you don't need to say everything's on your mind. Say amen. You just need to think about it. You know, the, there's a acrostic I give all the couples on the marriage retreats that we go on. Think. Is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it nice? No, is it needful? Amen. K, is it kind? You ought to think over that before you ever say anything, men and ladies. Think. Think about what Jesus would have you say. But here's rewards in verse 28. And here's old Peter. He said, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed you. You know what he's saying? Lord, what about us? Amen, we've given it all up. That's just like old Peter, isn't it? Look at verse 29. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses, and brethren, look at the plural, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecution, and in the world to come, eternal life. Oh, let me close by saying this, friend. He had uh, some worry, and uh, he says, we've given up everything. And he said, what about us? What about me? That tells me that Peter wasn't exactly sanctified. Wasn't as close to God as he thought he was. But here's the calming words in verse 29. God sees, God records, and God rewards every sacrifice you make. He tells them that what they walked away from, they got a lot more coming. Amen? They left one house, God knows how to open a hundred doors. They left one family, God has made them a part of the family that encompasses the whole world. Amen. I go over to South Africa and they treat me like somebody, so I go over there quite a bit. I'm talking about my grandchildren. They treat me like Papa. But I'll tell you something, those natives over there, praise God, they respect somebody who took the gospel to them. And they respect Kevin Hall. They respect uh, Jeremy Hall. They respect our little old members that grew up in this church, like um, Mark Coffey. They respect them so much because they were lost and didn't even know the way and was in darkness. And they left their country and came to them. And so they have a big family over there. And we have a big family over there. They have become separated from earthly brothers, but God said He'd give them brothers in Christ. i just tell you what, some of my family have left me because of my beliefs and my convictions that you're not saved by water baptism. But I want to tell you something, I've got a whole lot more brothers and a whole lot more sisters. And, I don't, I don't, I, and I'm trying to reconcile, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a relationship, I'm trying everything I can. But I want to tell you this, friend, I count you as brother and sister.
That's why it hurts my heart when I'm walking down the uh, hall and somebody sees me coming and they turn so they won't face me. I guess they're, they're intimidated by me. And they, they come down the aisle and they, they turn around and go into another room. Maybe you're just shy. But I want to tell you something, friend. I love being with my family. You know what Brother Darrell said? Or no, his wife said about him. He said, you know, he's not doing too good on his diet. I said, he's not, because I was asking about his diet. Now, who am I to ask about a diet? I said, how's his diet going? You know, that was before he had the heart attack, or while we were sitting there after he had the heart attack. And he said, well, I'll just tell you, Brother Wayne, it's not going too good because he's such a social person. He just loves to eat and socialize. He likes to socialize as much as he likes to eat. I said, he sounds just like me. Thank God I can justify now being fat and happy. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm a social person. He says he, and she, she was complimenting her husband. God bless her. She'd been through something. She almost saw her husband die. I mean, she shook up and she's sitting there saying, but he's such a social person. I said, Miss Cad, you, you're just saying he's friendly, aren't you? He said, yeah. And he eats while he's being friendly. <laughs> you don't believe it? They know Randy Team and, and Daryl Cox by first name and credit card number at Tijuana's. Hallelujah. They're more than they're at home, amen? They used to be. And folks, listen, he gives us brothers and sisters. That's why I love that prayer meeting so much. I mean, only brothers and sisters can share the intimate burdens of their heart. Some of y'all missing it. Y'all trying to be isolated leaders. It ain't going to work. You're going to fall flat on your face. Because I'm going to tell you something. The ministry without people is not a ministry. If you can't get along with people, you've had it in the ministry. You just had it. I mean, you might be an evangelist or a preacher somewhere, but if you can't get along with people and love people and be close to all people, right. no matter rich, white, black, tall, whatever, you got problems. You got problems in the ministry. And so God gives him a common word. Every coming, everything you sacrifice for God, God multiplies twofold. Hundredfold. We are family around here. Amen. I love you. You love me. I don't have no problem about getting run off. I don't think y'all would run me off. And I hope I don't run you off. It's just family. It's a, it's a close fellowship. We pray for each other. Yes. The folks, they left one family. They became a part of the family that encompassed the whole world. Hey, folks, they were separated from the earthly brother, and God gave them brothers. They turn loose of the world to follow Jesus. They'll discover that God is far more in store. And thank God, He's got eternity to bless you. Hundredfold. So let us know this. That hundredfold sometimes comes with persecution. Right in the middle of that list of blessings, He says, with persecution. You know what the Lord's always good about? He tells you the whole story. And He was saying, hey, listen, y'all going to be blessed, but I want to tell you something. With the blessing, there's going to be some tests. We don't get much persecution around here. But I'll tell you what, in the Africa and where this dear gentleman's writing from, their lives on the line. The Muslims would rather shoot a Christian than look at them. I mean, they're in danger. They're in harm's way. Why? For the gospel's sake and for the Lord's name. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. Those missionaries are going to be blessed for eternity for their sacrifice. And so are you. And so folks, let me just give you this in closing. Jesus put the ice on the cake. 
Because he said in verse 31, But many that were first shall be last, and the last be first. You know what he's saying? He's saying, friend, the rich and famous might think they got it together. But God don't know them. They're in trouble. They'll die bankrupt. Spiritually bankrupt. They'll die friendless. Ty Cobb was a great base stealer from Georgia. They said that he was so mean that he'd sharpen his cleats when he played baseball. And he cut people when he slid in. And he knew thousands of people. He was famous around the world as the greatest base stealer that ever came from Georgia. And one person came to his funeral. One person. Folks, I hope at least two come to mind. But I want to say this. Money can buy a lot of things. But there's some things money cannot buy. Money can buy a bed, but not sleep. Money can buy books, but not brains. Money can buy food, but not an appetite. Money can buy a house, but not a home. Money can buy medicine, but not health. Money can buy amusement, but not happiness or joy. Money can buy finery, but not beauty. Money can buy a crucifix, but it'll never buy a Savior. Folks, listen. Let me say this. Is that God's evaluation is this. 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And the worst thing that could happen to you, church member, is one day you face Jesus, Matthew 25, 12, and He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, I was religious. Didn't I heal in your name? Didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I do many wonderful works in your name? He said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Sin was a way of life. I never knew you. I'm glad I'm saved. And I'm glad that I have eternal riches. And thank God, I'm going to tell you this, I'm glad I belong to Jesus. And thank the Lord, He's my Lord, He's my Savior, He's my Father. I don't look at Him as a Marine sergeant or some dictator. He's a loving God that'll choose to use your life if you'll just yield what He gave you in the first place. If you'll give it back, your life will be multiplied for eternity. Folks, listen. It's a miracle that you're saved. But it's another miracle when you die to self and you give your little all and put it in His big all and get wrapped up in Jesus and die to self and be filled with the Spirit of God overflowing that the whole world can be touched through your little old life we're rich not compared to the third world we're rich compared to the lost world let's pray father thank you dear god we can be so happy tonight eating a uh, grilled cheese sandwich and some chili god we don't need the filet mignon it's good to have it on, on some nights but dear lord thank you for the fellowship, the sweet brotherhood, sisterhood that we experience in this church. Thank you, dear God, that money didn't buy it. Even though everything's paid for around here, praise God, it was paid for by your blood is the reason we're here. And Lord, we thank you for salvation. That's a miracle. God, we thank you for your evaluation, which is always right. And Lord, we thank you for 
the rewards. The rewards of having a proper perspective of what really counts in your eyes.